Hi, this is James Joke. I'm host of Web Comics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight, we're dancing with gatekeepers. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. One of the problems with being a creative is that we have to deal with gatekeepers. That is, uh, people or institutes who are trying to keep us from being published. While it may sound like, yay, while they're jerks, the reality is that a lot of these people are doing a perfectly legitimate job. That is, they're trying to basically fulfill one of three basic purposes. First off, they're trying to make sure that whatever the publication they're dealing with basically keeps to their theme, if they have one. That is, not everybody accepts all fiction. Some people do expect their writers to only submit certain themes or concepts. You know, slasher fiction or even horror from beyond. Basically, if you don't read their writer submissions, don't bother applying type of deal. They're also trying to make sure that if they get way too many stories of the same type, they only grab the best of those bunch. In some cases, they may totally forego if they're getting way too many of the same theme. They are, after all, trying to basically be as unique and original as possible. And if everybody all of a sudden decided to go with, say, Cthulhu on a beach vacation, okay, well, first off, that'd be sort of cool. But if this was all of a sudden a major theme, obviously it would get rejected a lot more out of hand. Again, they're just trying to keep people from being on the same bandwagon for too long. You know, trying to keep it fresh. Last but not least, they're also trying to make sure that whatever publication or service they're working for maintains the highest possible quality. This just basically means that they have to they can't accept everybody and so they're going only going to take the best of the bunch. In that regard, a gatekeeper actually performs a vital function for any publication. However, the problem is occasionally you get these gatekeepers who are well, doing it for less than noble purposes. Or they think they're doing it for noble purposes and it doesn't actually quite work out that way. We're looking at basically a lot of really conservative types out there who have decided that they want to get back to some sort of imaginary 1950s that the rest of us were only too glad to say goodbye to. Obviously, these kind of publications unfortunately tend to last a little bit longer than a lot of people want them to and... Well, yeah, it's sort of a jerk situation. On the flip side, you've got people who are way too pro-diversity and are trying to find as many writers from as many different areas as possible in order to fill out their publication. Now, while I think we definitely should have more voices at the table, so to speak, the problem is that all of a sudden you get people who are looking more for what people are rather than who they are, and rather than trying to find the best quality stories out there, just simply go with whatever tends to uh, tick off the more boxes. Well, we all know where good intentions don't always go where you want them to, you know? Like I said, it sounds like a really great idea, but I'd really prefer to be published for who I am rather than what I am. And of course, we have our individual gatekeepers, that is ourselves. Which sounds like a really weird idea, but we all have our own inhibitions that we have to work past in order to get published. That is, we tend to limit ourselves based on what we think is going to happen rather than probably what will. And because of that, we tend to, well, 
not putting anything out, which of course creates some major internal issues. Obviously, we've got to work past those inhibitions in order to actually get something accomplished. So, so tonight we're going to sort of look at a lot of those different kinds of gatekeepers and figure out how to crash past them. Not only are we going to be looking at the legitimate gatekeepers and other ways how to make ourselves look a lot better for them, we're also going to be looking at a lot of our own personal demons as well. And of course, while we're at it, we're going to be looking at some of those not so good gay figures that we know we're gonna have to deal with but we really don't want to because yeah they're just way too politically motivated so first off for the purposes of this podcast and what i've already been doing obviously is that for the purpose of our discussion i'm defining publication as any source that allows a person to have some sort of creative outlet that is it doesn't matter if we're talking a dead tree book a pdf uh a webcomic site, a blog, even your own personal site. What I'm basically looking at is anything that basically allows you to get out whatever it is you're trying to get out, we're looking at it as a publication. Copyright law treats it that way, so we may as well do it ourselves. Again, note that I'm not referring specifically to, say, an actual magazine or actual book. I'm referring to pretty much anything that allows you to, say, look at what I've done. Otherwise, it's going to get a really long string, and we're going to try to avoid that as much as possible. So, so let's start off with studios. Uh, what I'm looking at here is not necessarily just a straight, small independent studio, but pretty much any group that well-publishes comics. That is, anywhere from, say, Marvel and DC, to the independent comic studios, all the way up to the webcomic sites like Drunk Duck. Each one of these, for the purpose of the branding, has certain limitations placed on what comics they will or will not publish. Sometimes it's pretty obvious. Uh, Marvel, for example, has an entire list of comics they only publish. And they're willing to take back whatever the books are every so often. And so, you know, whatever tends to work for Marvel tends to work for Marvel. Webcomic sites, on the other hand, may be willing to accept a whole lot more because, well, let's get real, the more the merrier. Well, the problem is that even they will have certain limitations placed on what they'll publish. Um, pornography, obviously, is a big no-no, generally speaking. Others may try to avoid and try to suggest, you know, don't go there. You know, the basic are you sure type of situation. That's cool. All I'm suggesting is that before you submit to one of the major studios or even the webcomic sites, is that you figure out what their submission guidelines are, read through them at least, and when you start writing and drawing, you keep those submission guidelines in mind. Generally speaking, those submission guidelines are pretty much hardcore. That is, they, the company will stick to those submission guidelines. In essence, if you try to veer too far outside those submission guidelines, odds are you're going to be rejected out of hand and therefore not really go into the major uh, submission process. Because of that, all I'm suggesting is that, besides obviously the submission guidelines should be your Bible for that particular studio, at the same time try not to be too controversial. Um, in this case, I'm not necessarily saying do weird things just to get attention or to make interesting points. I'm just saying, hey, um, 
realize that they do have limits and you need to stay within those limits. Don't try to rock the boat too much. Some people can, but these people also tend to carry with them a lot of fame and therefore a lot of potential money. The big shows keep that in mind and tend to give them a little bit more leeway than they would somebody starting right out of the gate. If you don't want to deal with submission guidelines, you don't have to. You can start your own site and do all the marketing for yourself. But keep in mind that it is the major thing you have to keep. That marketing issue is a major, major advantage. If you can't get onto something like Drunk Duck, Drunk Duck, will, for example, will do a lot of marketing for you. Obviously, you'll always want to do your own marketing, but at least Drunk Duck will give you a step in the right direction as opposed to simply starting out completely fresh. So there are some advantages in dealing with those submission guidelines for better or for worse. Also keep in mind that especially if you're dealing with a webcomic site, that your comic can be reported and therefore deleted or just simply suspended. So again, even after you started, you can get into some trouble and possibly be taken off of the roster just by rocking the boat just a little too much. If you're somebody who wants to be completely independent and have total freedom, that's fine. I'm obviously not discouraging it. I'm just pointing out that you're going to have a much tougher road to hoe. So, keep that in mind. Also keep in mind that means you're going to have to be dealing with all the costs in order to start up a website in and of itself. Which means you're going to have to grab your own URL, which I recommend even if you are part of one of the big sites. And you're also going to have to pay for the hosting, which can get a little ridiculous. Sometimes in the neighborhood of a couple hundred dollars a year, depending on how much business you're doing. So, just keep that in mind. At some point, you're going to want to do something interesting as far as distribution goes. That is, you're going to want to basically go from just simply being a straight digital product to something that people actually can read on their own. This means you either want to do an ebook or you want to do a, well, dead tree version, an actual paper product. If you're going to do a paper product, the good news, bad news is that there's one heck of a distribution company, but there's only one of them. It, Diamond Distributors actually has an effective monopoly on the entire concept. This means that if you're trying to get into more than just your local comic book store, you're going to have to go through Diamond. The only problem is, is that in order to get picked up by Diamond, you have to be doing a certain number of... In order to get picked up by Diamond, you need to have a certain run. I think right now it's around 5,000. Obviously, this is a little much. Um, especially for a beginning comic, if you're not going to a studio. So, obviously, if that may be a problem, but there are other ways to do your book. First off, I heavily recommend going through Amazon. Not only will this allow you to set up some sort of print-on-demand, but it also allows you access to the Kindles, which is arguably one of the more popular e-books out there. That is, people actually read stuff on Kindle. It's actually somewhat popular. You can also set your book up on a print-on-demand service. For those of you familiar, not really familiar with how print-on-demand works, essentially what happens is that you set the book up, you do advertise it out, and then whenever somebody orders a book, they pay the printing rates in and there. That is, you don't have a huge inventory of books waiting to be shipped out at any particular time. It's done on a one-for-one -one basis. 
And of course, you can always do something like a Kickstarter, which is actually not a bad way to do it. Just keep in mind, if you are going to go through a Kickstarter, you are going to be wanting to set up minimum goals, possibly also tier goals. But Kickstarter is a great way to go, and it's a great way to determine exactly exact if you actually have a product. So, on top of that, you take care of all of your fees as you go type of deal. Admittedly, you are going to be collecting a rather huge number of... Uh, you are going to be setting some goals in order to take care of all the publication process, but you will basically have an idea of just how popular your book really is. Plus, if you have to make a little bit extra, obviously you can shift that into making more books. The other plus to this is that if you're trying to step for a convention, you'll have a lot of extra books, at least in theory, that you can actually sell at the convention as well. All told, going through Kickstarter is not a bad idea. Second best would be going through Amazon, and third best would be going through a straight print-on-demand. If you are going to go that latter route, Kablam, Indie Planet are probably your two best bets, and they're both basically really nicely interlinked with each other. And of course, Kablam is actually set up in order to deal with comics. So if you don't want to do a Kickstarter, and you're not getting that 5,000 run, hey, Amazon and Kablam are probably your two best bets. Alright. You've already basically gone through the studio. You basically have done through some sort of distribution. Let's say you want to go straight to the local comic book shop. This is going to be the fun one. First off, you have one major advantage. Comic book shops are already looking for a local lot of local artist. And, well, if you're a local artist, obviously you ask you and right off the bat. However, this is a ultimate you better know your market type situation. First off, I'm going to suggest you come in with about 10 to 15 books. Even if you don't end up selling all of them or being able to put them simply on the shelf on a commission basis, at least you'll have something to, you know, to show the person at the desk. However, keep in mind that comic book shops tend to run two flavors. The first flavor is that they'll accept pretty much everything and if, you know, they're a bigger shop, they can actually handle pretty much anything you throw at them. And even if you decide to throw in something that's a little bit, shall we say, off-color, i.e. pornographic, they actually do have an area for that. However, the other flavor is the smaller comic book, which is people who have very limited shelf space and therefore tend to guard it pretty well. What this means is that they tend to be a little bit on the conservative, and even if you are a local artist and you don't have a really decent book... They expect it to, well, be denied. Uh, this is really going to apply if you're dealing with something of a, a pornographic nature. Uh, the reason I'm hesitant to point that out is because the smaller comic book shops have to worry about parents. That is, everything is there to be seen. And so they've got to keep that in mind. That is, even though you might be thinking college age and above, the comic book owner is recognizing that they have to deal with the younger crowd. And by younger, I mean preteen, sometimes as young as five or six, sometimes a little bit younger. You know, if a kid can read a comic, yeah, that comic book shop owner wants that person's money. Unfortunately, if that means that they have to deny certain books on some shelf space, then so be it. So, before you go into a comic book shop, make sure, you, like I said, you've got 10 to 15 copies, and 
you've done a little bit of research to make sure that they actually will be accepting local artists. I will point out that some of them do run on commission. What this basically means is that they may not buy the books outright, but they will put them on the shelves, and if you make any money from those books, that money goes straight to you, minus a small charge, usually about 10 to 15%. So even if you, they don't buy your books straight out, they may just put them on the shelf on commission. But like I said, keep in mind they do tend to be conservative, especially the smaller stores. So if you have this really cool space fantasy, but it tends to be... You know, high, heavy nudity, heavy violence, way too much sex. Odds are it probably will not get any shelf space at that store. Okay, so far we've been dealing with pretty much basic gatekeepers. That is, people who are looking to either keep a certain particular branding thing going on, or basically tend to be a little bit on the conservative side when it comes to what kind of books they accept. Again... These are the kind of gatekeepers that are actually doing the job they're supposed to be doing. That is, they're basically trying to make sure that, as noted, whatever kind of books they produce are on brand for that particular studio, comic book shop, or even distributor. At the same time, they're trying to basically throw in some sort of safeguards to make sure that not everybody's jumping on the same bandwagon at the same time. I mean, there are some bandwagons that there's enough room for everybody, but... Let's get real, there's sometimes when the genre gets a little too specific that it starts getting a little obnoxious. You know, if everybody decided to do alien invasion comics involving magic girls, it would get a really thin crowd really quick. You know, that would be an interesting market to see fight with each other. And of course, as noted, they are trying to make sure that there is a certain quality of product. So, in that regard, these are actually the kind of gatekeepers you actually want to deal with. Yeah, you need to figure out what their particular submission guides are and what they're actually looking for. You actually have to do a little bit of homework and you have to make sure that when you're writing and doing the art for these books that you actually are following their particular rules, which can be annoying. But, the advantage of following these rules is that you get a wider audience. So, there are some pluses and minuses there and there's usually more pluses than there are minuses. Look at it this way. If your book gets accepted by, say, Antarctic Press, that means that not only are you going to be able to do with your own marketing style, but you'll also have the backing of Antarctic Press there, which means, of course, that you will have a slot in their particular books so everybody will know who you are. So, you know, you'll not only be able to take care of your own marketing efforts, but also the marketing efforts of those people you're, you've applied to and been accepted by. That's a major advantage when you're trying to get your books out. However, as I noted way back when, you also have to deal with the gatekeepers of, shall we say, debatable morality. Again, some of these people are doing what they think is best, it's just they're going about it in a really weird sort of way. And of course, like I said, you've got to deal with your own inhibitions. So, let's deal with the inhibitions first, and then we deal with the other people second. A lot of people who get into comics will basically do one of three things. First off, they'll keep you know, asking themselves if they can actually put out a comic or not, study, do all the studying for it, and not actually do anything about it. Then you've got the people who will do something really cool and get it actually out there. Obviously, if you're one of those 
kind of people, you're good to go. Congratulations. We're not worried about you so much here. <laughs> However, the third type of person is somebody who will actually put together a book, will actually do the script, will actually do the art, etc. And that's as far as it gets. It will never actually get to the part where anybody actually will see it. Beyond, of course, the person who put it together and maybe some friends and family. That's totally understandable. You have to keep in mind that one of our major fears is the fear of public speaking. That is, we don't want to expose ourselves. We don't want to, you know, generally speaking, we don't want people to know who we are. One of the ironies is, is that you have a lot of artists who tend to be introverts. That's fine. You know, you're going to have to figure out a way to get past that in order to actually get your comic out there. I mean, you've done this really cool something. Yeah, it might be highly individualistic to you, and you may not be all that popular when you actually put it out there, but you've got to at least give it a shot. Straight up, if you don't, you're going to question and why you didn't, and it's going to drive you nuts. The easiest way to make sure you don't drive yourself nuts is just to go ahead and do it. And that, strangely enough, is the hardest part, is to actually do it that first time. Because as soon as you do it that first time, after that it becomes a lot easier. You know, the problem, of course, is that we're dealing with a lot of acceptance issues and all that. That is, you're worried that if you put something out there, it's going to bomb so hard that you're just not going to recover from it. Well, that's part of being a creative. We have to develop that thick skin. We have to be ready to accept failure and to accept rejection. A lot of writers is running jagged that we tend to thrive on it. We like being rejected. Um, get used to it. If you're an artist, you're held in a little bit higher esteem, especially because you've got a really cool party party ability. But the bottom line is, is that you still have to get out there in the open. You have to basically stick your head out. And no sane person does that. It's not a survival tactic. We know this, you know? The problem with humanity is we've been through so many wars, so many genocides, so many major attacks on individuals that we know that the last intelligent thing to do is to basically say, hey, I'm here, don't shoot. General rule is anytime you tell somebody not to shoot at you, they're going to shoot at you. And of course, obviously, you don't want that to happen. This is perfectly understandable. Nonetheless, you're going to have to do it because if you don't do it, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You're going to ask yourself, if i just done this, could I have been a success? You know, would my creation, would Zeb the Mechanic have found a major placeholder in the universe? You know, would I have been able to find fame and glory and maybe make some nice change after the deal on the, on the way there? If you don't do it, you're going to drive yourself nuts. So just do it. And I know that sounds a lot. I know that's a lot harder than it sounds because I'm making it nice and simple. But trust me, it's a lot better than dealing with questions. And everybody has regrets that they just don't want to deal with because they drive them so freaking nuts. So just go ahead and try to figure out a way to get it out there, even if it's just a you know friend of the family. You can drop on their desk and let them handle it from there. You know, take some sort of charge on doing it. 
Now, there is one kind of prejudice you're going to have to deal with, and it's a theoretical one. That is, uh, especially if you're a, a woman or a person of color, you're going to be worried about dealing with prejudice. All right. You basically have three options here. First off, I'm going to be nice and let you know that, yes, there is prejudice out there. You know, there are going to be people who are going to be looking at you and not wanting to really deal with you. However, nine times out of ten, that's more of a thing you put into your own mind. Again, I'm not saying there isn't prejudice out there and that you've got people who are racist and sexist jerks that basically deserve to be burning in the afterlife. Again, I'm fully aware that there is an actual prejudice out there. However... Um, you also have to keep in mind that a lot of the prejudice is something that people tend to put on themselves. Which is sort of a weird way of saying that you're not going to be able to find out if there actually is prejudice out there until you actually encounter it. And once you encounter it, you don't deal with those people. You find other people to deal with. Because 90% of the time, you've got people that are looking for women creatives. You've got people looking for um, people of color creatives. You know, the bottom line is you've got a lot of people that are looking for you. And that one time out of ten, you've got somebody who's a total jerk that should deserve to die horribly. It's just you need to actually explore and figure it out your own. So straight up, I really have no idea how to get get that to you. You know, it's an unfortunate situation that there are jerks who tend to judge people based on stupid secondary characteristics like sex and gender and race and all that other fun stuff. Those are people that you're going to have to deal with and your option is you can either let them win and give up or you can keep plugging and just go for it. The advantage of being a webcomic person is that you don't have to really worry about that prejudice all that much. You just simply put out your comic, you find a great site like Drunk Duck, and you go for it. You know? You market the heck and just have fun with it. If you happen to find anybody who's prejudiced, there are ways of dealing with that. Because of the way that the webcomic community, and even the comic community in general, is organized, if you need to find support to deal with some sort of jerk who's basically looking at you and going, well, you can't do it, you can find support. Straight up. Nail me on Facebook. If you need a virtual hug or uh, somebody to talk to, start with me. There are, of course, other communities that you can go to. On Facebook, um, the Independent Comic Creators, ICC, is definitely something you want to look into. Again, hit me up on Facebook and we can discuss your issues. But, again, if you don't try, you'll never know. And that never knowing will drive you crazy. Alright, so let's deal with the other negative gatekeepers out there. What they're going to come down to is one of three stripes. They're going to come down to the conservative idiots, the pro-diversity crowd, and trolls. And how do you deal with these guys? Easy. First off, you do your research. When it comes down to the pro-diversity crowd, these are probably the people you actually want to deal with the most. The great people don't get me wrong. 
I'm just a little bit worried because the good intentions tend to lead to uh, some serious negative problems. And while it may seem that a pro-diversity group is actually pretty cool, especially if you're basically a non-white male, there is the problem that they're just simply looking to basically tick off checks. There is a problem that they're basically trying to tick off boxes. That is, they basically have this sort of part of them that isn't necessarily looking to fill out the table with as many different people as possible, but as many different types of people as possible. That is, they're not trying to publish you because of who you are, which would be really cool. They're trying to basically publish you because of what you are. And the problem with that is that, well, this doesn't always lead itself to a quality product. You, of course, want to be in a situation where you are considered a quality product. This is sort of why you pay attention to all the submission guidelines. You know, you do your rep- your research and you find out people you want to work with and go at it from there. That's exactly what you're supposed to do as a writer. However, sometimes you'll find these people that are just simply willing to accept you for what you are and that's fine. If that's all you want, go for it. But you're not going to get really anywhere as an actual webcomic or even straight comic person in the first place. So, you know, try to figure out if the person is hiring you just because of what you are or because of your act- what you're actually doing. I mean, I know it sounds sort of weird to be on the lookout for that kind of person, especially considering these are some incredible people. But again, it's just... Here's the bottom line. Is it important for you to be accepted for who you are or what you are? As simple as that. And personally, I'd prefer to be accepted for for who I am. So, consider that when you're actually going into these situations. The flip side of that, obviously, are the idiot white conservatives. These are people who are trying to restore the comic book community to what they think the 1950s was. And like I said, the rest of us were pretty happy to say goodbye to that particular era. Just to to put that in some sort of context, you're looking at mostly white creators. The characters are mostly white. And it was pretty boring. You know, there were no politics in comics. Or well, there were politics, it was just they were heavily frowned on. We had McCarthyism. If you really want to see some fun stuff, look up um, The Seduction of the Innocent by Dr. Avernum. It's just, you know, it's not exactly one of the greatest artistic eras in our of anybody's lifetime. So... A lot of us are really, really happy to have said goodbye to the 1950s. If you really want to see why we don't like it, look up the Comic Code Authority and realize that if you're trying to put out a comic, you could either be mainstream and go with the CCA, or you'd have to go independent. And if you went independent, odds are, it was just a hobby. It wasn't something you are actually going to be making money off of, ever. I mean, they didn't accept vampires until the 1970s. So, you know, a lot of us are really happy to say goodbye to the 1950s. So, when you start submitting your comic to various areas, try to figure out if there's some sort of anti-political bias going on. Basically, in this case, we're looking at that the people are really 
not into doing anything beyond a spe very specific group of people. I mean, I'm all for it. if you want a very select audience going for it, and there's a thousand and one different types of that. That's cool. That's if how you want to do your comic, then do it. I'm not going to stop you, obviously, and well, even more obviously, I can't stop you. So, just know that if you try to get in with these people, you're going to have a very limited audience. And that means your comic, in turn, is not only going to have a very limited audience and therefore a very limited potential, but by the same measure, you're also going to be going off the reputation of the group of people that you work with. And if they happen to have a really nasty reputation, you're going to pick up that reputation as well. So in effect, you will be branded based on that particular affiliation. Just... So, obviously, before you go into a situation with a studio or a website, do some research, determine if that's the kind of crowd you want to hang with, and if so, go for it. You know, whatever you're comfortable with as an artist is something you're going to be comfortable with as an artist. Last but not least are the trolls. Now, if you deal with a lot of social media, man, you're going to have to be dealing with social media in order to do any kind of actual marketing. You're going to be dealing with trolls. If your comic happens to have any kind of political leaning whatsoever, you're going to be picking up trolls. You have to sort of appreciate that there's a difference between trolls and somebody who plays devil's advocate. And, of course, critics. Here's the difference. Critics are basically trying to improve the industry as a whole. What a critic will do is go in and say, hey, here's the problems or here's the pluses of this particular work of art. And this is what I feel about it. Critics are sort of plus minus because some of them actually know what they're doing and some of them have a lot of experience and it sort of helps to listen to them in order to improve your particular comic. In that regard, a great critic is a great asset. Obviously, if you've got a critic who's just a total jerk, not so much. So if you've got somebody who's actually a pretty good critic, yeah, definitely listen to this person. But keep in mind that not all critics are pretty good at what they do, and a lot of them are pretty horrible at it. Uh, they tend to basically look at it too much as a political thing. So, you know... Go with whoever you think works as a critic. And if they start saying bad things about you, after you've decided, hey, this is something I need to listen to, then yeah, listen to that person. Don't stop listening to someone just because they don't shower you with accolades. You know? The critic's job is not to shower do that. The critic's job is to basically improve the industry as a whole, and the way they do this is by pointing out the flaws and the advantages of any particular work of art. In this case, that applies definitely to your comic. Devil's Advocate, these are fun people to deal with. You have to sort of appreciate that occasionally you'll have somebody who says, yeah, that sounds great, but what if you tried? Or, you know, let's look at this from the other perspective. A great Devil's Advocate, again, is somebody worth listening to. They tend to have some really great ideas, and they, since they're approaching it from the perspective that you're obviously not, well, there may be an advantage to actually listening to them and seeing if that advice has any actual weight as far as what you're doing. If it does, great. Listen to it and apply it. Otherwise, 
The problem is, of course, is that just like with critics, you've got somebody who are really horrible at it and tend to basically do the whole, I decided to take the contrary position just because it's a contrary position. These people are jerks and they should be shot, sometimes repeatedly. The bottom line, the catch is, is that anybody can take a contrary position, but to automatically assume the contrary position is just basically a really bad form of troll. It's somebody who basically just doesn't have the guts to say, hey, I'm a jerk, and is trying to basically come off as, you know, some sort of incredibly intellectual person who's full of wisdom, when in reality, they're just simply full of it, you know what I mean? So straight up, if you've got a really great critic, go with a really great critic. If you've got somebody who's willing to play devil's advocate and is actually really good at it, that is, they don't take contrary positions just because they're contrary positions, and they're actually trying to actually help you, hey, these are great people to listen to. Unfortunately, you've got people within both camps that are just basically jerks and they're trying to do what they can to tear things down. And then you have the out-and-out jerks, or the out-and-out trolls. Trolls basically just tear things down because they can. Obviously, you're going to have to figure out how to deal with them on your own, but the usual word of advice is, don't feed them. That is, once you figure out somebody's an actual troll, don't engage them. If possible, block these jerks. If Even better, if you can report them to some administrative then do so. You know? Administrative people are there specifically to make sure that whatever they're doing runs smoothly. Trolls tend to gum up the works. So therefore, they like to know when they, people are dealing with actual trolls, bullies, jerks, haters, so on and so forth. Basically, if you have somebody who's there just to tear you down, then, like I said, just don't engage them. If you can, report them. Trolls tend to be very toxic people whose entire thing is that because they couldn't succeed at something, obviously nobody else should. And so they tend to basically tear things down just because they can because it happens to fit within their very pessimistic, very toxic worldview. You as an artist don't need to deal with that. And in fact, the less people, toxic people you can deal with, the better. I mean, there's, again, one of those, there's no way I can emphasize this more. You've got enough issues that you don't need to take somebody else's weight on as well, you know? You are not a cargo train accepting the baggage of the universe. Go through your own gar garbage and figure out ways to deal with it, but don't take on somebody else's. And if you start engaging a troll, that's exactly what you're doing. Their baggage all of a sudden becomes your baggage. So, like I said, if you can figure out a way to not engage the troll, do so. If you can report them to an administrative type, heck, even better, because at least the administrative can at least ban them. And trust me, you've not lived until you've seen go, somebody go after a bunch of trolls with a ban hammer. And at the very least, block these people. And encourage other people to block them as well. So, the only word of advice I'm going to tell you is straight up. Make sure that you're not banning somebody just because they're disagreeing with you. A lot of people tend to think that just disagreeing with someone is enough to be considered a troll. No. 
it, you may actually be a troll yourself and not realize it. So, don't talk to you, you know, discuss the situation with friends and try to figure out, make sure you've got good friends, not just the ones who are going to agree with everything you say or disagree with everything you're trying to get across, but people are actually listening to you and they're actually trying to say, hey, yeah, you may have screwed up in this situation. But, yeah, sometimes we are trolls ourselves without realizing it. Go figure. But, generally speaking, you know, at least that's something we can deal with. If you start realizing you are a toxic person, then figure out ways to deal with that toxicity. But, again, if you're dealing with toxicity from someone else, just block them. It's not that hard. So, what did we learn tonight? Besides, of course, obviously dealing with trolls. Basically, gatekeepers are not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, they're basically really good at keeping the quality product going. In that regard, we definitely need them. Um, they definitely keep us on point, or at least the services they deal with are kept that way. And so a lot of these gatekeepers are actually doing an incredible service. It's not a really well-liked service because, well, anybody who says no is never really well-liked, unfortunately. There are, however, ways to crash the gate, so to speak. Like I pointed out, go through the writer's submission. Make sure that everything you're doing is within those guidelines. If you can pull that off, you fought 90% of the battle right there. Try to avoid going on with the bandwagon. That is, if something's really popular and something's really trending, you don't want to be doing that. Do something different. Figure out what the bandwagon is and go a different direction. Even if it's making fun of the bandwagon, sometimes that becomes a bandwagon in and of itself. Go figure. And of course, make sure that you are producing something of quality. The higher quality you, whatever your produce is, the more likely it is to be accepted. If you're going to go through the point where you actually are trying to distribute yourself, figure out the best possible world for you. Kickstarter, print-on-demand, Amazon, even Diamond if you're popular enough. Heck, if you can go through a studio, even better. But the bottom line is, don't let somebody else limit you. Figure out a way to get your product out there. Do your research on whoever you're going to be dealing business with. I mean, straight up, if you're not going to be doing due diligence, then you basically are going to suck as business, and that's not necessarily a good thing, because let's get real, all artists have to be businessmen. This has been the truth all the way back to the caveman days. You know? Do your research. Make sure the person you're going to be doing business with is somebody you actually want to be doing business with. And keep in mind that whatever reputation that person has will come off on you, whether you want it to or not. People will figure it out, and you will get tarred with the same colors. So, make sure that whoever you're dealing business with are people that you want to be doing business with. There's no way I can make that clear. Again, if you're dealing with trolls, make sure you're dealing with a troll, and then just ignore them. Do not feed them. Report them if possible. Definitely block them. And above all, make sure that you yourself are actually putting something out. Period. It doesn't matter if it's great quality or not. Just make sure it would be great if it was. Don't get me wrong. 
But just put something out. Otherwise, you're going to drive yourself crazy and you're going to be debating if you could have actually ever done it. And that regret, that debate will eat you alive like a cancer. It may not be an actual physical tumor, but it's going to feel like one. Again, if you need a cheerleader or if you need some questions, hey, hit me up on Facebook. And if nothing else, the Independent Comic Creators on Facebook is another great group to go to. But do something. Don't just say you're going to do something or get so far that you've actually done it, but you're actually not actually going to submit it anywhere. But actually do it, you know? It's going to drive you crazy if you don't. So with that, have a good one and good luck. And that was not.